Welcome back to another edition of Real Review, where we provide real and honest movie reviews. And this week, we are going to review the 14-year anticipated Incredibles 2. This is, of course, a sequel to the original Pixar's The Incredibles, which is not only one of my favorite superhero movies, but one of my favorite anime movies, but also one of my favorite movies of all time. It is a true classic, amazing, amazing movie. I love, 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 love the original Incredibles. It was a movie I saw when I was very young, and I saw a lot of times, like millions of times. I remember it very well. I remember lots of the dialogue very well. And I actually re- recently just watched it through my 20-year-old eyes a few days before I saw Incredibles 2, and... I fell in love with it all over again. I mean, I haven't seen that movie in years, and it's, it still holds up. It's still beautifully animated, very well-written dialogue, well-paced, amazing characters, great story, great humor. Everything's just spot on. The music is amazing. It's got a great theme, uh, incredible scene that here in the end credits. It's awesome. And that was my you know, expectations, of course, going into this new one, is that it's going to live up to the original, yeah, I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score. I think it was at 97%. At one point, now it's at like 94, 95 by the time I'm doing this review. And friends that had seen it told me that, yeah, it lives up to the hype. It's pretty good. And so I was going to, yeah, I, I generally avoid reviews. I did for this one too because I didn't want to get biased with anything. So I didn't read anything, didn't get any, you know, didn't scroll right through any red comments or anything. I went in pretty much cold just knowing what I saw in the trailers and people telling me it was good. And overall, I I really don't have a final verdict on this movie yet because I, I need to see it a second time. But it's good. It is a good movie. But it is not as good as the original Incredibles. And I'm going to go through basically the good and the bad of this movie. I'm going to do a spoiler-free section that you're hearing right now. And then I'll go into spoilers later. I'll have that course time stamped in the description before anybody panics and, you know, doesn't want to hear spoilers. I fully understand that. But this movie, I'll start off with, picks off right from the road of the original. That's not really a spoiler. Everybody kind of already knows that. But if you've seen the original, it picks up right there. And it's a cool opening, I have to say. The, well, actually, it doesn't technically start start right there. But it, that the part with the underminer does uh, happen. And again, that's not a spoiler because people have already known that's the case because he's in the trailers. But the Undermine part's pretty cool. And then that's where the action goes from there and the plot goes. And as you saw in the trailers, it's basically Elastigirl, you know, the, the wife, has to go work for this job to bring supers back into the, you know, accepted public perception. That's your general plot. Of course, I'll get into more spoilers. But overall, it's a... Beautiful looking movie. The animation's definitely seen an upgrade after 14 years. Me expect that with technological changes and all that stuff. So it's beautiful looking movie. There's definitely better animation this time around. The characters are definitely way more detailed. There's a lot more detail in the environment. The lighting's better. There's more colorful sky. You know, there's some night scenes which are really cool looking. Some a lot of sunset was used a lot. And you know, the characters in their tire look very disheveled and have baggy eyes, all that kind of stuff. You know, the hair moves about more. It is, it is definitely way better animated than the original. It's 
beautiful to look at. And better cinematography all around, better action. You know, there, there's a lot of action in this movie, and it's, it's, it's superb action. It's really tense. It's really, you know, uh, you know lightning... Uh, not, I don't want to say lightning fast, because it, it, it flows very quickly, and it feels very fluid and natural, and, you know, it, it keeps going. It's nice action. Like, it's really well done. But the problem you're going to... You know, because this is a two-hour movie, and, you know, some of these kid movies or just movies in general that are cut way too quickly. This movie is not cut too quickly for the most part. So when I was watching the original, like I'm, I'm more into slower kind of movies and whatnot now. But the first one's a fast-paced movie, but it's perfectly fine how it works. It works perfectly because it's like a perfect pace for any audience, kids, adults, old people. It just works. You're not going to get bored a second. And this one, I didn't get bored a second either. But there were some sections where it's a little too quick for my taste. But I'll get into that later. Uh, as as you know, with going into the Incredibles movie, it's not just about superheroes, it's about the family. This is really a family movie where the family just happens to be superheroes and that's kind of their job. And it, That family dynamic is still here. It's on point. It's great. I love it. Um, what they do with uh, some of these characters, I like some things I don't really like, but um, for the family, I like what they did mostly with Mr. Incredible. I think it was interesting having him being the uh, stay-at-home dad. That was interesting, but I have some problems with that, which we'll talk about later. Violet's storyline, I really liked. Uh, Dash's storyline, there really isn't one, but he's great in this, as always, for the most part. Uh, and then there's the Alaska storyline, which I have some problems with that storyline, because this is not a spoiler, but like I said, she's at this job. And she's away from the family, so Mr. Incredible has to take care of the family, the husband. But she just, I don't know why, but she's like a, she's a mother. And you would think a mother would want to be back with her family and would be longing to, you know, have more family time. But she never shows that throughout the movie. And it's just, it's a little weird. Um, but other than that, her storyline is pretty much fine. And there's some great social commentary throughout this movie with the villain You'll see a lot of social commentary about screens and about independence and how you should, you know, be more of an independent person rather than depend on others. I'll definitely dive into that later, but I like how they, they did this with the first Incredibles when they're doing this one where the villain, like, you kind of have some sympathies and you kind of say, well, they're not wrong about that. And you see that in this and it's pretty good. Um, <coughs> the callbacks in this movie, they're because you're expecting you know, callbacks of the original. They're fine. I they're pretty. You know, they're not exactly subtle. Some of them are real subtle, but some but they're pretty naturally flowing. They're not too in your face, and they're not too many like these new stars movies where there's just Easter eggs galore. So it's pretty good with that. Um, but this is really you know, uh, you know, it's just not quite as good as that original. And the more I think about. It's, it's really weird because the more I actually like this film, but then at the same time, the more I dislike this film. Because it has a. The biggest problem is it has a very predictable plot involving the villain, and it has a very bad villain. Uh, well, I shouldn't say very bad. It's a very weak villain. And mostly because it's predictable. I'm not going to say that because that's very spoilery, but 
it just it's nowhere near as good as Syndrome. Syndrome is a very great film because it's a very original, interesting idea from the original movie where he's this kid that gets turned down by Mr. Incredible and rejected because he wants to be idolized and wants to be like Mr. Incredible, but Mr. Incredible shuts him down. And Mr. Incredible tries to save him at one point, but it all goes horribly wrong in the original movie. And then he becomes this sort of like egotistical maniac that just wants to ruin Mr. Incredible. And I thought that was an interesting concept. You know, you, you kind of sympathize with that because it's like, yeah, Mr. Incredible's kind of a jerk to him. I mean, it doesn't justify killing, trying to kill his family and all that, but you, know, you understand where he's coming from. And that's what makes it interesting and makes it a big part of that movie. And it's thematic. Uh, but th this movie, just the villain is nowhere near that level. And I know it's hard to get to that level, but they could have done better. They could have. I'll explain that later. But again, it's not as you know, not as well written. It's not as well you know constructed in terms of characterization. It's not as funny as the first one. It's not as clever. Uh, cause the first one has a lot of these little clever scenes that are just awesome i mean they're just that's what makes that movie so lovable like the scene with the car where he like you know he has his mr and crow's this big guy in a small car and he you know when he gets out of it, he almost trips on the skateboard but he squeezes the door and crushes the door that he slams the door out of anger and breaks the glass and then there's that kid watching you know as he picks up the car in anger and there's a little kid watching and his bubble uh pops you, know, you all know the scene i'm talking about but it's just like these little clever little things that, like with the capes you know, how, you know, superheroes shouldn't have caves, you know, because, you know, they always, it's just an annoying thing that would inevitably get you, like, in your way, or get you killed or hurt, you know, that it's just sort of this mocking of, heat, you know, superheroes and all, there's all these little clever things in it, and that, that's not really in this movie, there's just not a lot, there is some cleverness in terms of, in the end, where there's this big battle, and they're using their superpowers, and a bunch of other superpowers, and it's, you know, clever how they do certain things, but that's really it, like, it just didn't stick out to me, is that clever things, and there's a scene with Jack-Jack, it's really clever, I mean, this is really the Jack-Jack movie, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a lot of Jack-Jack, you know, if you didn't think you got enough in the first one, there's so much Jack-Jack in this one, which is a good, you know, change of pace, but it gets a little tiring at times, because it's, uh, like I said, this movie's not as funny as the first one, it, it relies more on the sort of Jack-Jack you know, haha, I'm a goofy little silly baby stuff, a little too much, you know, like, Jack-Jack could be very funny at times, but he gets a little overused in this movie, and you lose some of that really funny dialogue and uh, visual humor that was in the first movie, and that clever humor, it's a little lost in this one, and the music's not as good, uh, Michael Giacchino came back to do the score like he did for the first one, the score for the first movie is great, there's a lot of great tracks, there's memorable tunes, and the, the main theme of The Incredibles is a great, punchy, dynamic, jazzy theme. You know, they played at the credits at the end, which is a very well-done credit sequence by this sort of minimalistic 60s uh, modern you know, design. Uh, and he did the music for this one, but I just don't... I, I hear all those old tunes I recognize, but I don't get any new tunes that are good and recognizable. And the music's there, which is good, but... And it's the same style, that sort of sick, that jazzy sort of like 30s, 60s sort of jazzy sound, which I love that they kept that style, but it's just not as good. Uh, yeah, that, again, that I need to see this again to really have a final verdict on that, because sometimes the music sort of seeps into me later, and I realize, oh, it's actually pretty good. So 
I'm going to have to hold back on that as being my final opinion, but I will say just as a first impression, that's what I got. Um, and I'm glad, speaking of the credits, I'm so happy that the credits were the same style as the first one. A little different, a little more detailed, but it was basically that sort of same minimalistic, modern, uh, simplistic style that the first one had, which is really cool and fit the theme of it. And they used the same song. It was a little different version. Uh, not as good of a version, I think. It was a little less punchy. A little more softer uh, version of the Incredible scene. But it was still really cool. I love that they kept that. You know, I was smiling during that. But overall, the movie, it's good. Not as good as the original. You're going to have a fun time. No alcohol required, as uh, uh, one YouTuber would say, Jeremy um, Johns would say. It, it is a good movie, but it's a little disappointing. And I, I hate to say that because I really want to love this movie. Because I love the first movie. I want to love this movie. I want this movie to be even better. I want this movie to be awesome. And I know it's probably not going to be better, and that's fine. But it's missing some stuff that the original just had that magic that it created. I know this, you know, lightning striking twice is really hard, but it's it just missed in some ways, which is a little disappointing. But I would have to give it a second viewing to really give my true opinion. Because right now I walked out of this movie, I wanted to see it again. I really did. But I want to see that original movie again because I love that original. So it's it's an interesting feeling. But that's a non-spoiler section. I'm going to move on to spoilers now and delve into a lot of this nitty-gritty stuff. So spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. We're going into spoilers now. So first I want to talk about, you know, in terms of spoilers, is, like I said, the family dynamic is very good in this movie, it's on point. Like, there's that dinner scene in the beginning where in the motel, and, you know, Dash has to, you know, wash his hands, and Violet goes, you know, did you wash your hands? And he, did, he runs back with soap, and he runs back, does it again, and it says, and dry them, and he shakes his hand at the table. You know, that stuff's funny, I love that. When they use their powers and jokes and stuff, it's really cool. Because, uh, like, if you don't know, Dash is one that runs really fast. And it gives that sort of, you know, Jack is, or Dash, Jack, getting them confused. <laughs> Dash is the immature, sort of younger kid, and Violet's the, you know, mature, groggy, depressed, sort of teenager, you know, sort of uh, angsty, you know. And so that's always cool to see. And they do a lot, of, there's a lot of that family dynamic, which is great. But, like I said, some of the jokes just don't land. Like, the Jack-Jack scene, like I said, this is a Jack-Jack movie. There's a Jack-Jack scene where he's uh, fighting this raccoon. He's using all his powers. That was pretty cool. I like that scene. It was pretty funny. But there's all this sort of like humor with just, oh, he does crazy powers and silly things. It got a little old. Um, but speaking of Violet, I want to keep on her. There's this sort of dilemma that comes in. It starts in the first scene of the movie where her, uh, not her boyfriend, but like, her love interest, yeah, you know, that she asked, that he asked, you know, at the end of the first movie, when they were at the track meet, he asked her out on a date, and she was always shy and didn't talk to him, but this time she had gained her confidence at the end of the movie, and said, yeah, let's go on a date, and actually turned out to be the more confident one in that conversation. And in the second movie, he sees her start fighting the Underminer, you know, which was again at the end of the first movie, and kicks off this movie, and so they have to wipe his memory. And it's that lawyer guy, that was with uh, Mr. Incredible in the first movie, 
that helped him get out of the situation where his uh, he throws his boss through the walls. And so that guy comes back in, which is cool. Uh, yeah, how they bring old characters back is really cool in this movie, I have to say. So I'll give him props for that. Uh, but you see her go through this dilemma in the movie because she now goes and talks back with, you know, because she tries to go on a date with the boyfriend. Uh, potential boyfriend, I keep calling him the boyfriend. His name's Tony. She tries to go on a uh, date with Tony, but she comes back all angry. And she goes through this, basically this dilemma because he forgets who she is because the memory wiping process is messy, as the guy describes. And it turns out it wipes just Viola completely from Tony's memory. So that was a good idea. Showing how their superhero part of their life affects their normal life. How, you know, you're, you don't have a normal life because it's like, you know, this, this guy you had a crush on that you really liked, you know, you can't get him now because he forgets about you. He's totally forgotten about you. And it's because he saw you without your mask on. Uh, you know, at the... At, that's why I kind of mentioned there was that during the undermine thing, he sees her without a mask on. That's why they have to wipe the memory. And so it shows you how, like, her, um, you know, she goes to this dilemma. Because, you know, it's, it's a very teenager thing. Like, oh, the guy doesn't like me, blah, blah, blah. And so you get that sort of uh, teenager, family, normal person, you know, dilemma of trying to get the guy both a superhero spin on, which I, that was a great little um sort of plot line there. I really like that. And then, of course, that comes to a close where at the end, there's this sort of really nice little touching scene where, you know, because her, her dad's trying to fix this because he feels bad about it. And so he brings Violet to the restaurant where Tony works at, tries to reintroduce her, but goes horribly wrong. She feels embarrassed. And later, she goes up to her dad and, you know, talks to him and realizes, you know, he was trying, you know, he's he has his hardness. He's trying to help me, and he's doing this because he cares. And so that was a nice little scene. But the problem with that scene was it was so quick. It just went by, boop, done. No more to that. And that was an instance where that should have been flushed out a little more. Because that was a good little, nice little thing there. Uh, but other than that, in terms of like the comedy and stuff, like I said, I love the dinner scene. I love the scene where Dash uh, asks. His dad helping with his homework. Uh, <laughs> as someone that went through Common Core, the sort of new 21st century math, it was funny when he pulls out the book and he goes, you know, the dad's trying to help him with the math homework. And he goes, no, but they want you to do it this way. And he says, why would they change math? Math is math. <laughs> it's just so funny because it's so relatable. That's what's so good about the original set. Even though it was a superhero fam, you know, family, they had these such relatable things that was so real and so much like a normal family that, like, when you'd see it, it, it that was where the comedy came from. Was the fact that these extraordinary people had such ordinary problems in their family, you know, other than the extraordinary superhero problems. So it, that sort of contrast was always funny, and you'd see that here with the. You know, the, the scene with the math book. You know, that was great. Uh, and, of course, there's a funny scene at the very end when Violet gets in the car with Tony and her fam her entire family's with her. You know, Jack-Jack, Dash, the mom and the dad. And because they're going to drop her off at a movie. And, you know, then they sort of start changing. Like, well, we're going to sit in the same theater with you. But we're going to be far away. You know, they're, they're being very protective of her. 
But then, of course, at the end, they pull up to the theater and they see like a car going by with a cop car chasing and hear gunshots. And <laughs> I'm smiling because it was such a well done call back to the first one. Because at the end, when they see the underminer, you start hearing that Incredibles theme coming at and they start looking at each other, smiling like they know, okay, time to start kicking butt superheroes. You know, it'll move to their eyes, eyes, and then you'll see the masks on their face, and then Mr. Incredible puts the mask on his face, and boom, right to credits. This time they took that, and you see them look at each other, look at each other, look at each other, but they don't have their masks on yet. <laughs> and then Violet kind of realizes what's happening and, like, kicks Tony out of the car in front of the theater and throws money at him and goes, like, oh, go buy popcorn, I'll be there in a few seconds, bye. And then they all start looking at each other again, the music comes back in, you know, and then they put the masks on and it cuts to credits. Like, that was well done. Like, really, really great. A little sort of joke within that callback to the original, which still worked standalone of itself, even if you didn't get the fact it was a callback. But it's just those little jokes were nice. Because, uh, like I said, there's a lot I like, I really do like in this movie. There's some stuff that holds me back that I'm going to get into. Uh, and there's, there was a very subtle joke that I don't. Nobody in my theater seemed to get it. like went over everybody's head, but when the um, Bob Odenkirk character who wants to make bring superheroes back into the public eye in a positive light, he says multiple times, "Let's make superheroes legal again." And it's an obvious little Trump joke at "Make America Great Again." I was shocked nobody picked up on that, and it was funny. You know, it wasn't being taking a side in politics; it was just being funny. Yeah, I really like that. Um, now, uh, I'll mention a few more callbacks. Like, there's the Incredimobile or Incredibly or whatever the heck you're going to call it. That, that was a pretty cool little thing they included. It was a little, sh you know, it was important near the end of the movie, which I liked. That it wasn't just sort of shoehorned in there, but it was a car that Mr. Incredible drives at the beginning of the first movie. Uh, that becomes important later. And then, of course, they, they made a nice little callback to the where's my super suit scene from the first movie that everybody loved, um, where he's, you know, Mr. Incredible calls Frozone to get him to come home, uh, to his home to watch the Jack-Jack, and he tells him to get his suit, and, you know, he, he tells his wife, Frozone tells his wife, I'll be back ASAP, and she says, you better be back ASAP, or something like that, whatever it was. It was, it was just a funny little scene. So it was a nice little callback that was funny and worked. Now, this movie also had very... Like the first one did, it has great social commentary. You think a lot of these films are going to be very PC, very sort of, you know, nicey-nicey to kids and give a little idealistic view of the world, but that's what I love about the first one and what's great in this second one is that it, it has some really great commentary that's not PC. Like the first movie, there's a bunch of anti-PC little jabs. Like when Dash is in the car with his mom, and his mom says, everybody's special in some way, and, that, and Dash says to her, well, then that means nobody's special. And you see that come up again where Syndrome uh, says he's going to make everybody super, everybody's going to be a superhero, because then nobody will be super. I mean, that's a eye-opening theme for like a young kid that's watching this movie, maybe some adults, too, that haven't taken the red pill, that you can't just keep calling everybody special because you take away the value of being special because if everybody's special, nobody's special. You know, it's simple as that. 
Uh, and there's also like a little, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the other jabs in the first movie. There was just some like, you know, there's little jabs like the corporate world and how it's all, you know, they, you know, a lot of these people really don't care about, you know, people. They care about money, which turned out to be a very true thing. You know, it's not really a liberal thing. It's just kind of a realistic thing. You know, it talks about politicians and bureaucracies a bit. Like, there's a lot of little stuff in that first movie that's just great commentary. And this one has a two, but it has also new commentary. Uh, like, the, the villain, which I'm going to dig into big time here, because that's the biggest problem with this movie. The, the main villain is the Screen Slayer. And he's this guy that basically hacks into all the screens of the world and hypnotizes everyone. And that was an interesting idea. I really liked it. It was very relevant for our time as we're addicted to computers and iPads and iPhones. We're always looking at these screens all the time. And showing how you know, sort of system can be used against us. This sort of idea that I come attached to these things and they're everywhere. And he gives us a little monologue as the last girl's chasing after him that's really good. Um, and it also relates kind of to this other theme talking about perception, how everything's a perception. Like that, that was the whole basically Springboard's movies that people have the wrong perception of supers. They think they're bad, they cause trouble, and they destroy things. And you know, the Bob Odenkirk character wants to change that perception. And that kind of has to deal with like the media, how they perceive things, how news perceives things, how all these things have a perception of something. And we all get that perception through screens, which is kind of an interesting little connection. Uh, and the villain also talks about, well, this is the very, very spoily part of the spoiler section. The villain, um, again, this movie, I, I don't know if I mentioned the spoiler-free section, but this is a very predictable plot here. And... The villain, you see, is a screen slayer has a mask on, and you go, okay, this sums up here. Because you know something's already up when the Bob Odenkirk character gets introduced, and the Incredibles are getting offered this great thing, like, oh, yo, you're going to, we're going to make supers legal again. Here's a free house, you guys get to stay. We're going to put all these cameras on you so we can watch, you know, what you're doing. And then that gets broadcasted so people see what you're really doing. It's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. You know something's up right from the get-go of this. And part of that's because the baggage of Bob Odenkirk as an actor carries by be playing Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad, who's kind of like this you know, salesman kind of lawyer who always talks a talk, walks a walk, but will like screw you somehow. So you know something's up. You know there's something up here. I predicted from the very beginning, like once the screen slayer was introduced, I'm like, oh, it's probably... You know, all these sort of antics are being set up to make supers look good. It's all staged sort of false flag thing. You know, it's like Alex Jones territory. It's a false flag. You know, they're, they're setting up all these incidents to make supers look good. And I, can't, I, I basically predict it. I mean, I, there is a bit of a twist, but it doesn't, like, shock me. Go, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Because I basically predicted that something's up here. Something's wrong. It has to do with Bob Odenkirk or his sidekick. There's like this girl that's like works from, I think it's his sister, I don't even remember. But I'm already detecting, okay, something's up between these two. I don't know who it is or both of them, but they, they have something to do with this Screen Slayer guy. They're actually the Screen Slayer guy. And they're orchestrating all stuff for whatever reason. To bring supers back or 
to do something. You later find out that it's the girl that from the company is trying to bring Sirius back. She's actually doing this to, you know, then ruin the perception of supers by, you know, because public opinion was rising, so she wanted to make them look bad, and so she starts hypnotizing them and make them do bad things and blah, 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 blah. And, again, I kind of saw that coming. It's very predictable. And, you know... Once you real once a twist happens, it doesn't shock you at all, and that's what makes that villain just so weak compared to Syndrome, who's this interesting villain who comes in kind of surprising. I mean, I was very young when I saw the movie, but I bet if I saw it older, it probably would have shocked me that he becomes a villain. But uh, it may have, I don't know, or maybe I would have figured it out a little, you know, before the reveal. But this one just comes like right out of the gate. You know what's going to happen. And the villain creates sort of an interesting theme with that, which is she wants people to be independent of superheroes, to fight for their own, and to not be living in fear. She wants to get rid of this dependence and relying on superheroes coming to save the day, which is a good theme, an interesting theme, because you know, I'm a big proponent of personal responsibility. That's always a strong thing. And to see the villain argue that was interesting. But, you know... How she gets to that's a little kind of strange that you know that she's kind of orchestrated with the screen slayer the whole time. But I I genuinely like that idea of it. Uh, and she also makes actually a little comment where she says you know people value convenience over quality in terms of like products and stuff. You know, kind of taking a little look at consumerism. And I thought it was an interesting little sideline there. And you know, there, again, that's why I said this movie continues that interesting commentary from the first one, and has this new commentary. It's great, uh, and there's a lot, and then and that also the commentary comes from these parallels from the first one, and these parallels, like I said, were kind of good, kind of sub, but they can kind of be bad in some ways. Like one of the good ones was the fact that, like in the first one, Mister Incredible stops this train that's about to come off the rails, but when he does that, that's when everything goes bad for him, and that's when superheroes get banned and all that. And in this one, Elastigirl stops a train, and it's good for her, because everybody has a complete opposite reaction. I thought that was interesting to see how things would have gone differently. It's a little bit of a retread, some might say, but that was an interesting little small part of it. To give a parallel... And the show is sort of contrast. But there's a lot of then similar plot points, you know, after that, where it's like, oh, Elastigirl wants to relive her glory days just like Mr. Incredible did. And, oh, that becomes a bad thing in the end. You know, it's kind of a little too similar for my taste. Um, and the villain just, at the end, she has this grand plan. It starts, you know, unraveling, of course. Because she starts controlling all of the supers and putting these goggles on them that basically hypnotize them and gets them under her control. And that didn't work for me. As like I said, it became very predictable. What she was trying to do was hypnotize all these people and whatnot. And we, yeah, I figured out right away the Screen Slayer isn't who we think it is. It's not some random person. It's actually, you know, it has to do with those shady people at the company. I didn't know how, but... The how wasn't very just compelling either. I, it's hard to put into words because it's just 
wasn't that interesting when that happened. I mean, the whole movie interests me, but it's just like, it just became so predictable, like too predictable. And the only real twist really through that was that, you know, he that the it was the the, the screenplay was actually this pizza delivery guy that was being hypnotized by uh, the girl, which was you know again a little twist, but it's not. Like I said, it wasn't very. It it just doesn't stun you when this twist happens because you know basically what's happening. It's just like oh that's how it's happening. You know it just doesn't surprise you. Um, and the one other callback that was. Not really a callback, but again, bringing an old character back in a very good way was Edna. That was really well done. That whole scene with Edna was great where Mr. Incredible had, you know, is getting so tired of this baby, doesn't know what to do with it, Jack-Jack. And he brings it to Edna to sort of like dump it on him, uh, her. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Edna. Uh, dumps it on her so that he can go and do, uh, you know, kind of get a break from it all. And Edna, you know, he's talking to Edna. He's like, oh... I was supposed to get double A batteries, but I got triple A. I put white clothes with my red shirt, and now they're pink. <laughs> and he's like going through all these sort of like again relatable family things that happen, like these sort of things that like you have to do. And he's like, you know, overwhelmed by it. It was just so funny those little things. And Edna's like rejecting, like, oh, I can't deal with babies. But then she comes to love it because it's like Jack Jack does all this all this crazy stuff, and so. You know, Edna sort of builds a sort of control in him, which I still don't understand how that thing works. Like, did they put, like, a chip in Jack-Jack? I don't understand it, where he creates, like, a sort of, like, iPad that sort of controls Jack-Jack and, like, can calm him down and make him use his powers at will, like, shoot lasers out of his eyes. So that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but it didn't bother me. Um, but, you know, overall... I don't have much else to add about this movie. I mean, I've gone over the main bits. Again, the biggest problems were the villain and the very predictable plot, and that all sort of surrounds the villain, being sort of predictable of what happens. But the family dynamic stuff was cool. But, you know, I it just is nowhere near as strong as that first movie. I mean, that first movie is a pretty much a perfect movie, and that's really hard to do. And, and that's a hard thing to try to top or to come close to. I understand that. But they could have done a better job. They could have taken this villain and made it more interesting. Or maybe have more characters that would have made you start guessing as to who the villain was. I don't know entirely what you could have done. But you can't have it this predictable. You just can't. I heard that they were like, you know, going through new scripts after another. Like they kept rewriting it. And that, you know, this was this movie was technically supposed to come out next year, but Toy Story 4 is coming out next year instead of this year when it was originally going to come out, and they sort of flipped those release dates, which I think hurt this film. But then again, this film had 14 years to figure this out, so to be honest, I don't have much of an excuse. But I'd like to see a third one kind of close the whole thing off, have a nice trilogy, but I'm a little hesitant <laughs> in asking for more because it might get worse. But... Uh, and this movie might grow me with subsequent viewings, but it just it just doesn't have those magical scenes and moments like that first one does. Like the car scene, the where's my super suit scene, the where Dash run, finds out he can run on water and has that like just pure joy of a scene where he giggles. It's just the music comes in. It's great. There's none of the uh, 
you know, the great stuff at the beginning, the glory day stuff, like, and I'm not saying he has to do that stuff again, I'm just saying there's just those scenes in the first, the no cape scene, like, I could go on, there's just all those scenes are just classic, great, clever, original, fun stuff, and just that's missing in this one, there is some in here, like, people probably see that Jack-Jack raccoon scene maybe as one of those classic kind of scenes from this movie, but it's just, it's not at the same level. It just isn't. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'll like it more the more I watch it. I, I can't wait to watch it again, actually. That's what's funny about this. Like, I say all these things that's, like, not good with it, but it's still a fun, enjoyable movie. And there's a lot to like in here, but there's a lot that just holds it back. Like, the villain, like, I, I can't stop telling you how weak it is. It's just... The motivation is not bad. It's a little similar to the first one, you know, in the sense that, you know, the villain kind of wants to, you know, go after this idea of supers in some way, which is interesting and fine, all that. But it's just, the predictableness is what kills me. With Syndrome, you know, you may not see him coming until you see that silhouette of him in that one scene. And hear his little voice and been like, oh, it's it's Buddy. It's the little kid that Mr. Incredible turned out. And that's important, you know. That was an interesting character that you could understand. You saw where he came from and then what he became. But you didn't, you know, find out to later that he had this plan of going out, you know, destroying the city and then coming in and saving it, you know, because he sets it all up so that he can become super and he can become the idol and make everybody super. Like, you didn't know that yet. That becomes learned of later. And I know people are going to say, well, with this villain in Incredibles 2, you don't find out about that stuff later too, but you kind of see, again, it's kind of, it's very predictable. Because as Screenslayer, you learn about, um, yeah, you start realizing from the very beginning that all these things are being set up to make, to bring incre the incredible, to bring supers back into the public perception as good. You think you're realizing this is all set up, and so then you find out it is set up pretty much because the screen slayer is causing all these pro you know things that the incredibles go after, but it's because he wants or she, <laughs> I'm getting that screwed up every time because she wants to actually diminish and ruin the uh, perception of supers. So, again, it's a little twist, but you still kind of see this general idea coming. That's the problem with it. And it holds this movie back. Like, I think what you could have done is taken the Elastigirl part, made it a little more different somehow. You know, the job thing is a good idea, but maybe have her long to come back to the family. She kind of struggles with that. That would have been interesting. You know, I think Mr. Incredible is a little... Use a little poorly in this because he doesn't do much Mr. Incredible. -ing. <laughs> you know, he's just a dad, which is fine and interesting, but he kind of just sort of stays that way. Like, I wish at the end he would have, you know, uh, well, not just him, but the whole theme of the first movie is that Mr. Incredible is just thinking about his glory. He wants to return to his glory days when he was a superhero. He wants to relive that, and he wants to do all this stuff on his own, and he really doesn't care enough about his family but by the end of it he realizes that they're best as a team they're best as a family they fight together 
best as a family and they get, you know, that's how they win in the end. And he learns to love his family more and to care for them more and spend more time with them. That's a great theme. In this movie, I'm not saying they have to redo that theme again, but you don't see that where we fight best together. Because Elastigirl goes off on her own, is kicking butt, and she keeps nagging, you know, to Mr. Incredible that she does everything better than him. And it could be a fun little banter, but that becomes a thing of the movie where she does everything better than him and she's always successful pretty much, except when she gets caught in the end uh, by the uh, the villain. But it, it contradicts the ideas of the previous movie of that you, you know, that the Incredibles are best fighting as a family. Now, of course, I know people are going to say, they're going to be like, oh, but at the end... They all fought together to stop that ship from crashing into the city. Again, what's with the vehicles crashing? This is getting a little old at this point. You know, oh, there's a plane that's crashing now. There's a train crashing. Oh, now there's a boat crashing. You know, that gets a little old too. But they don't really fight together to stop the villain. Like they did in the first one. Not saying they have to completely do that the same way. But you need to keep that theme consistent. And this... Uh, Elastigirl fights the villain alone and just shoots her out of a plane, pretty much. Like, there's no real fight there. And it really wasn't with Syndrome either, but, you know, that's okay. I guess it works in the first one. It could work here. But she does it all on her own. And they stop the boat somewhat together. You know, they, they do all use their powers to stop the boat and whatnot, and Frozone helps out. So, they do work together in that sense, but they weren't, like with that big robot, they were all working together, bouncing off each other's powers kind of stop it. You saw that at the beginning of this movie, and you, again, you kind of see it here, but it doesn't reinforce that theme of everything goes best when they're together, because Elastigirl's kicking butt and is very successful when she's on her own. And, you know, it just, it's a little you know, disjointed. And I understand why it happened the way it did, but it just doesn't quite flow well. And again, I don't know how you'd entirely fix that. I think it could have worked with a confrontation with the villain because you didn't really get that as much in the first one. You could have gotten it here. She really doesn't have all that many superpowers. Um, So you could have had something like that. Um, But you actually did have the kids being the, the real heroes in this, which was a little interesting but then again, kind of going against their theme of the first movie, but the kids are the ones that don't get hypnotized ever, and they're the ones that really save their parents, which that was a cool part. I liked that. But then I wish once they got together, they kicked butt together, which they, again, they kind of do it by stopping the boat, but they don't do it fully by stopping this villain. It's always Elastigirl on her own can do just fine. And... That's the thing I don't like is that they keep reinforcing that. Some would argue that's like a feminist bent to the movie. I don't know, but maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know what they were going for, but it just didn't work for me. And the villain, again, predictable and very weak. Wish they'd fix that. But now I'm running in circles. Um, if, if you love Jack-Jack and you want more Jack-Jack, you're going to love this movie. If you... Want to get that magic of the first one, you're not really going to get it here. But 
Maybe you will. Some people, it's been all over the place. Everybody's liked this movie generally, but some love it. Some really like it. I'm kind of in the middle here. I like it. I just don't think it's as good as the original for some big reasons. But it's a fun time. I hope it warms up on me the more I watch it. And I would like to see a third one made with a better villain and a more compelling sort of uh, you know plot that isn't as predictable. And I I love it because I I love the, like I said I I have to reinforce this one last time. I love 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 the original Incredibles. It's one of my favorite movies. It's just pure happiness every time I watch it. It's just such an enjoyable movie, no matter what age. All the characters are very, very well done, very interesting, very different, and very relatable at different stages in your life. That's one of the magical things I noticed when rewatching it through the eyes of a 20-year-old, is that when I was very young and I saw this movie in theaters, and I was very, very young, I identified with Dash. I relate to him the most because he was the, you know, the energetic you know, a happy, bouncing around young little guy that likes to run real fast. Like that was like me. I was like a lot of little kids then. And past my teenage years, I find more related to Violet because I went through a stage where I was just like that. And I'm probably still kind of like that, where I'm like very sarcastic and moody and all that stuff. That you know, teens aren't like that. So it's like, and then probably when I become a parent, when I come over, I'll be very related to Mr. Incredible or Alaska. Like. That's what's so magical about that movie is that that's, there's so much just connections you can get with it. And not all movies have that, and it really was an awesome thing. So I want to love this new one. I'll probably dive into it a little more, but that's all I can say. This review is going on for long enough. Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to still be listening at this point, but... I hope you found this insightful. I encourage you actually to go out and see this movie. You'll probably like it. I Just to see Incredibles moving theater is something you're probably not going to have. Maybe again. Maybe one more time. So do it while you can. I don't know if I'd suggest buying on Blu-ray. Actually, I would because it's such a nice, pretty-looking movie. And buy the original on Blu-ray, too, because it's a great little you know film to watch on Blu-ray. It'll look good, too. Uh, this has been a real view of this time The Incredibles 2. We'll see you in the next review.